Susanna could call the roll. Let's get started here. Uh, Trustee Lujanani? I'm present. Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Lawrence? Here. We have a quorum. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for being here today. And um, I think we have a very full meeting agenda as usual. So without further ado, uh, why don't we start with the um, approval of the minutes, and I will move those onto the agenda if I can get a second. I second. Okay. Any comments? Not for me. Hearing none, uh, all in favor, aye. 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 Okay, that passes, Susanna. Um, sorry about that. Um, let's see. All right, let's let's uh, get to tab number two, which is contract approval. And um, um, I'd certainly like to take these mostly one by one. So why don't we start with the um, Cranbrook Realty Investment Fund, and I'll move that onto the agenda if I could get a second. A second. Okay. Um, uh, Dave, is there, um, I think, I think there's some, uh, there's actually a, a, a presentation here for management, so <laughs> why don't we, want to take us through that? Yeah, I think um, our chief operating officer is going to take us through this. Okay, uh, thank you for uh, the opportunity to present this. Uh, this It's actually a lease agreement that we're uh, uh, bringing uh, before you for uh, review and approval. Uh, the purpose, uh, we're looking at uh, renting additional space at our service support center. We currently have some space, as you're aware, on the 12th floor where we're housing a lot of our support services functions. Um, we're now in, in need of additional space, and uh, so we're looking at uh, space that became available at the, uh, the, the, the building, which is inclusive of uh, two floors. They had the second floor and the 11th floor available, uh, which were the large space uh, opportunities. Uh, we as a tenant, we have the right of first refusal when it comes to some of these new lease uh, opportunities. So we evaluated both spaces to see which one would meet our needs best. It was identified that the 11th floor was the best option. We did communicate back to the, the landlord or the owner of the building that uh, we had no interest in the second floor, therefore releasing that and allowing them to move forward with uh, entertaining other, other possible tenants. Uh, the principles uh, that we applied towards looking at, uh, or the reason and the rationale for looking at additional space, uh, it's, it's really looking at uh, consolidating some of our system employees, some of our system functions that we have scattered throughout some of our areas currently. And especially now as we're looking at really aligning ourselves in our strategic business unit model, we're looking at trying to bring some of these like functions together to ensure that they can uh, continue to perform and drive efficiencies within that work. Um, we're also trying to decompress some of the Highland campus here, uh, some of the functions that we have currently that don't necessarily have to be on this campus that can, again, better support some of those uh, areas that are located in that space now. 
Like what? Well, we have currently, um, we have some support service functions that, you know, that uh, support all of the areas. We have uh, uh, support meaning um, uh, engineering and, and, and uh, materials and housekeeping system level positions that are out throughout all the campuses. We also have um, uh, educators that support all of the all the hospitals and all the facilities that can you know, support those areas. We have some uh, finance individuals, uh, uh, leadership positions that we have in the in the facility. We're also looking at some additional or new positions that we are looking at bringing in here in the very near future that we currently have no space for at this point in time uh, in either Highland or any of these other locations. So. And those would be, for example, our chief of uh, population health, our chief of ambulatory, our chief of uh, system transformation, or VP of system transformation, our VP of ancillary services. These are positions that are currently actively being recruited, and, and we're actually going through interviews in some of those. And when we hire those positions, we, we don't have a space to put them in. So this would help support some of those needs as well. So as I break that down, just giving you guys a sense of what we're looking at here, it's the the 11th floor. It's not the entire floor, but it's a you know it's a good portion of the floor, about half of the floor. Uh, it's 7,000 square feet. Uh, the first three months are are free, which was negotiated as part of the agreement, with a $2.60 foot uh, $2.60 per square foot, with an annual escalator of 3%. Um, the tenant improvements that we've allocated for that, which again really consist of the move. Um, phones and IT and furniture that would be part of that. However, all of the tenant improvements would uh, would be covered by the by the owner and would go ahead and be designed based on uh, an approved layout and plan that has been re been reviewed by AHS. This is just to give you a sense of the financials. We did include in the package the uh, fair market value assessment that was performed. The rates, as you can see, are well below market and so we have a, a great opportunity here to leverage this space uh, recognizing that they will not have space available for the next four years recognizing our immediate and current needs we felt that this was the right time for us to take advantage of that space this is just a breakdown of what that would look like over the 10-year uh, agreement uh, as far as that's incorporating the 3% escalators with a total contract value of $2.569 million. This is our timeline. Uh, we're looking at uh, the lease is, uh, would be, is, has and, been uh, reviewed. Lewis, I'm sorry. Um, yes, sir. The financials, is, the, are, is this a 10-year um, a commitment to those increases, or is that just an assumption? No, that is negotiated under the contract. That is the escalator, and that's been incorporated into this analysis. Okay. Uh, all right. So we're guaranteed to go up that much, but no more. But we are going to go up that much. That right? is correct. Okay. Do they have any? Does the landlord have an opportunity to come back and say, "Wow, you know, uh, rents have gone up a lot more. We need more from you." No. Okay. Do we have an opportunity to say, "Wow, rents haven't moved at all. We need." We need less from you. No. Okay, so that's fixed for both sides. That is correct. Okay. Okay, so okay. now, I'm sorry? Go ahead. 
Okay, so and the last slide here is really just looking at the schedule, what the project schedule will look like. We would be uh, completing the lease, which has been reviewed by our, our contracts team, our legal team, uh, and uh, we're ready to proceed with that once we receive your approval. We would then look at uh, the construction uh, as far as tenant improvements that will be performed by the, by the contractor or by the building owner. And uh, we would be looking at moving in uh, in May, uh, and effectively by June we would start our, our engagement and our agreement. So the space becomes available in February, but the, uh, we we start the construction. Do we do we the three month free rent starts in February or, or in April? No. When the, you start the construction, the three months uh, go into effect the minute we take over take the lease. Take the lease. Mm -hmm. yeah, got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So that's that's all I have. Is there any any questions? Anything I can answer? I, I do have some, but Michelle, do you have any questions? Well, I have a couple that, um, it, you know, the, the agreement itself, I, I think you got a good price. Um, you know, the CPI in the Bay Area goes up consistently, and it's much higher than the 3% three, the 3%, so I think you got a good deal. Uh, I'd really be interested in the thought about process, and so in a minute we should talk about process. Mm -hmm. Prior to your coming, we had a big blowout with the board about the acquisition of the initial tower. And in part, it came because everything was a done deal and you're asking for approval. So in basically, you've negotiated a contract, you've assessed the place, you've not come to the board previously to say, we really have an opportunity here, what do you think, do you have permission to go forward? So this is after the fact. It's already in the budget, you've already done the negotiations, and so whether the board likes it or not, you're in a corner because if they don't say, if they say yes or no, then it gets pretty, it gets, so I'm interested in process. It, but that aside, I, I will vote for this so that you'll know you don't get nervous here. I'm going to vote for this. Um, the, the other issue, though, I would like to hear your thoughts because I've been there twice now. And, uh, and I do think it's very important to have like things for, for communication and for accountability and for monitoring and supervising. So I, I really understand the logic of that. The, the part that I, that I would like to hear how you guys processed, and, it, and we all process differently, so it's not a value judgment. The, the idea that so many of those people are what I would call the transients. They're out and about, and they're not necessarily in the office all the time. They're, they're more out than in. When I've gone, most of the offices have been, have been empty except for some of the clerical things. So most of the management people are out doing their job, which they ought to, which led me to believe that perhaps there was a way in which offices might be shared as opposed to, because it's a big chunk of money. So tell me how you decided that that it was time to move and, and get us more people. Um, what were the driving factors that made this decision? Okay, so for, first I want to I want to address your first point because I think it's very important. Uh, you know, the, I think the, the as from a process perspective, you know, what we were looking at is we were doing all of our essentially doing all the legwork, getting all the information, you know, negotiating all the rates, getting everything, you know, all the all that finalized, having the contracts reviewed and analyzed. But really, nothing happens until until you make the approval, until you make the decision to move forward. I mean, if you guys decided today, 
no, we're not going to move forward with this, then. So what's your backup plan then if we say no? If you say no, then we would have to uh, look at identifying opportunities within our existing campuses and, and trying to make that uh, work with the space that's currently available. Or looking for another alternative. But uh, again, you know, the, the reality is that we currently right now at this point in all of our campuses, I mean, space is limited. Uh, we don't have any space, essentially, office space available for some of the positions, some of the roles, some of the uh, staff that is currently right now, many of them who are sharing offices in some areas. So, again, so it, it, to address the process issue, I mean, I, and, and I can look at that, uh, we can look at that a little differently, uh, but uh, the, the intent is to be able to provide you with all of the details and all of the information so you have all the concrete data, the exact numbers, and everything you need to, to make a decision. Uh, and if you decide differently, then that's fine. We would then start looking at other alternatives, other options. So that's from the process perspective. And I think it's also important that this, in some respects, is an opportunity because this is essentially comes to us as a right of first refusal under the prior contract that we had for that space. And so it's, you know, but for them coming to us saying that we have this open, do you want it? That's essentially sort of the, you know, the act which brought this, you know, up for us to consider to present to you as an option to, to deal with it. So that's, that's one, th that's one thing which is a little bit differently than, you know, if we had been going out looking at other options outside of what was available to us there. When did this, this is Jim, when did this opportunity present itself to us? Um, the landlord has been approaching us for the last year to uh, look at additional space. For the last year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's plenty of opportunity. I'm, I'm going to riff on Trustee Lawrence's um, question there. I mean, so you know, the opportunity has been there for some time to say, you know, we're thinking about doing this. Well, I, I think the, what, what I want to clarify there is that, uh, and, and Dave's comment about the last year, I think, you know, the, the, the owner, the building owner knows that he's got a tenant that will be moving out end of December. I think, uh, you know, the prudent thing mm -hmm. for him to do is try and see how he can leverage and make sure that he, you know, minimizes the, the available space and he wants it to have, you know, he wants to have at least. So he's been approaching us to have that conversation and that review. We've been floating it back and forth. We've been looking at this very closely because we, you know, again, it's a, it's a, it's a major decision for us to make that commitment for that period of time. So that, just to clarify that point. Uh, I think it's always a delicate balance between, you know, the chicken or the egg, you know, mm -hmm. and the cart before the horse kind of notion. I, I really do understand that completely. Um, I suppose because this was such a blow up at one point in time. I mean, this was, when I think about major, this was an ugly one. Mm -hmm. Remember? Yeah. Um, that's why I thought there would be a little greater sensitivity to come to the board ahead of time so that there wouldn't be one. And particularly when you've had a year in the making of this, you weren't here then. That's right. So this is not falling to you, but I can tell you it was, and it was embarrassing, and these guys were I, tap dancing, and I mean, it was ugly. I read the minutes. <laughs> <It was disgusting. laughs> 
around the time I accepted the job, but but months before I started, I, I agree. Um, just again, context here. So, so I, 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 your points are, are are taken and understood. I want to say that part. Um, I want to also say uh, reiterate sort of what what came from um, uh, my colleagues' points here, which is that this. Um, this, in my mind, is an opportunity. Um, it is not a urgency. Um, uh, the urgency around it isn't necessarily driven from our perspective. So, so this is not coming to you as a let's hurry up and do this because if we don't have this, then we, you know, we're we're facing a catastrophic situation. The urgency is on the side of the landlord, as as Louis is uh, uh, intimating here, which is that the landlord now knows he has a tenant, or he or she, I don't even know, uh, has a tenant who is vacating, has an opportunity here, and is throwing that opportunity to us pursuant to. Uh, the right of first refusal that we have under the current uh, lease. And on, well, with the first one, as he mentioned, we said thanks but no thanks. And part of that was because we need to do this space assessment, not just about the fact that we understand that there, we have space needs already, but we're trying to figure out the best configuration of the spaces that we do have as well as then the right sort of like um, um, uh, the best, I should say, uh, use of any future space that we may take down uh, to actually, or take on, I should say, to actually address some of the challenges we do have and anticipate having down the road here. Uh, the the fortuitous part of this is that uh, we now have a, a bolus of our, our, our back office and front office teams operating in one space already. And if we know that you know we're going to finish a space assessment in a matter of about four or five months now, and then come to you and say, here's the you know the more uh, methodical approach. Here's what we're going to be looking at. Um, you know, let's let you know, and then we do that. Then we're going to miss this particular opportunity for that particular space. So that it, is still a year a, ago. I, it was a year oh, ago. Right, but it wasn't a priority. To, to be clear again, it wasn't a priority for us to actually go out. We, we haven't been spending the whole year looking at. Kind of, can we take down additional space? We've been looking at other organizational imperatives and going along saying, you know, we'll get to this when we get to this. The landlord now presenting this particular opportunity to us and knowing that the landlord is also saying, I don't foresee having any other space in this building for four more years so that if you do get to the point now a year from now where you want to look, you will be looking somewhere else. And, and that's fine if we're okay with it. What we're saying, though, is... And again, this is not an urgency. If you still think that, you know, you should finish your plan, you should then look for space knowing that this opportunity will be gone. So if you are uh, taking down some additional space offsite in the future, which is a prospect, that this won't be available to you. This this particular location where you already have a, a, a good number of your staff. So so it's just those, that's the uh, uh, set of considerations. But Again, if we, I, I, I really don't want, or I'd like for uh, the consideration or the sort of circumstances to not be that this is coming to you with any sense of your hands are tied in any way. If you say, I understand the circumstances, you have to look somewhere else uh, because this wasn't a priority for you and you haven't been actively sort of planning towards it. You've been recruiting a CMO, recruiting a COO, looking at the rest of the uh, finances and everything else. And now that you're doing this, you have this truncated period to take advantage of this opportunity. You know, it's just not enough time for me to feel comfortable with it. Um, uh, but, but here are the trade-offs, and that's fine. We'll, we'll live with that. Uh, but as, as uh, uh, Luis was saying, 
probably about the last 45 days or so has been the discussion around uh, could we actually reach a, a um, some terms that we would actually be comfortable with in a long-term arrangement? So, and that's why it's coming to you now. I'm sorry, but it's reflected in the budget, Delvec. Hearing you right, it sounds like the plan for like space and who's going to be where is not really settled yet. So yeah. you you don't exactly know where you want you know people or how many and stuff like that. Is that correct? So is that, what I'm trying to gauge here is, you know, is there a, you know, firm plan, you know, the, you know these people are going to move when, if we get the space, or is There's, it more vague than it's, that, or it's, more, more preliminary? It's a nicer way to put it. It's preliminary, because there are a set of considerations of existing people and people we are recruiting to bring on and kind of the best mix of... Uh, there are a lot of things that could go in this space, and everything that could go in this space won't fit into this space. So we're, there, there's some discussions that need to happen after this to figure out what's the best configuration um, of, of people to put into this space to, to, to make that um, the most ideal use of it for the organization. Yeah, I th I, my question would have been about the process as well, that, you know, if um, that some of that space assessment, when was that done? And if, you know, at least a preliminary assessment has been done because we sign a lease like this and then we realize we actually need 12,000 square feet, not 7,000, you know, or so, like, how much or how little? And then it'll be like searching somewhere else, yeah. given the kind of SBUs we are doing. So... Um, you know, uh, is there at least some preliminary idea that this space that's there, this 7,500 square feet, would be something that would allow um, not just the roles, the the staff that's coming, but a little bit of expansion in the next you know, three to five years? Uh, I, I don't know if we've gotten that far, so I'll... I'll we do. I'll we so, so we have. So, I mean, at this point in time, I mean, I have a list of... of 52 individuals that that would be impacted by by this by this move. So again, this is a combination of taking people from some of these campuses to help free up space, so we can. And again, it begins that it begins that domino effect of, of, of work that uh, people are moving. And to your point, I mean, we do, and as Delvecchio mentioned, we do. I mean, we are currently in the process of doing a a true space assessment and master plan where we're looking at all of our areas and what will be, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the deliverable here is to not only have a, a great sense of every single ounce of space that we have across our entire system, but also looking at identifying what is the best use for that space. Because we know we have other needs in, in many different areas uh, where we have to identify additional clinical space, where we have to identify additional support space. So that is ongoing and that will be done, but unfortunately that will not be done until the first quarter of the year. So because of that and the fact that the opportunity would not be present at that time, we felt we need to have this relief valve at this point in time. We have people that are already impacted and that need to be you know, found a place for them to work. Let's go ahead and take advantage of that and then we can work through our, uh, our space master plan and the execution of that once we complete that assessment. While I process that, um, I have a separate question. Um, so my recollection is when we originally leased this space, the intention for this for it was to be a 
you know, a place for the senior management of the organization to be. And, um, and please correct me if I'm incorrect, <laughs> but I, I don't see that anyone has moved over. So have we repurposed? So in my mind, um, have we repurposed the um, use of the existing space and... Um, Should Jim, we have been informed about that? Yeah, Jim, this is David. Am, am I completely wrong? Uh, Jim, this is David. So um, yep. uh, back a while we were saying, gee, that would be, that seems like that would be um, um, an option that we'd want to look at. As we got into it, we found that it was much more complex than that. Because then if we relocated the executive space out of uh, HCP, the question who goes in there, we're thinking maybe dental. And then we went through a, a variety of other permutations, and at that point we realized that we really didn't have the technical expertise to make an informed decision. And that's when we built into the plan this need for this um, comprehensive assessment that um, um, mm -hmm. Luis, Luis is going to lead, and, and hopefully in four or five months we'll come back with the, the master plan. Uh, in the meantime, though, we realized that with all the changes that are have, uh, occurring here, that there would be the need for this space to de further decompress the campus and maybe start getting uh, groups of people uh, that need to work together in one location so they can be more efficient. And that's, that's why we're kind of bringing this, um, you know, first step while we're con conducting this other work that needs to be done. Can we talk about who, who did go into the space? Um, the, uh, well, the, the, the people who finally went into the uh, top floor were primarily human resource, finance, risk, Quality, um, maybe a few other groups, but but that's compliance. primarily it. Compliance went there as well. So that's the twelfth floor, and then that's this the twelfth. And then, and one of the things we're thinking of is if we take the eleventh floor, maybe we need we can do some further reconfiguration to put groups together that to make them more functional. I do understand to an extent of how you know your as you're designing the business units and you're thinking not just of like it, of it from the lens of space crunch but how does the flow and how do which units work well together it's an iterative process that's going on right now with your long range IT and your long range strategic planning so you know having these ducks lined up um, is hard it's it's just like the sequence uh, process of such a big decision. What would happen if in the process of doing the comprehensive review that you're going to have completed in the first quarter, what would happen if you conclude, you know what, um, being in this building or having all that space in this building really isn't what we need after all? What would you do? that a possibility um, I, I, don't, I think I, that's remote yeah I don't think that's a possibility uh, Jim I, I you know the, I mean the reality is I mean we have we have quite a few people already in that space I mean that's that's an extension of, of our existing footprint so um, I don't see mm -hmm. us reducing our footprint at any point if anything we're looking at at expanding our footprint and that's what we're doing with this with this additional space to allow us to give us that that flexibility to start making some of these moves. I, I'm trying to convey, and, and I guess I'm not doing a very good job about this, because 
the work that you as administrators do, I'm very admiring. I think we've got a great administrative team. I think your rationale to use that, your negotiation process, is is really good. And it's the, the sense of a public board when this kind of money is spent and it's seen in the public. When we do a contract about medicine or we do a contract about pharmacy or we do something about IT or stuff, nobody sees that. But the issues that get out into the community that affect a board, a public board, that's what I'm trying to explain so that, one, you give us coverage and we give you coverage. And it's a two-way street. So if I were doing this, it's water under the bridge, and, and I think you are guys on the right track, you needed to do this, I don't have any quarrel about that. It's the process. That when you thought, you know, we got to look at space, and you had a lot of things on your plate, and this opportunity came up, a memo to the board would have been great. By the way, board, we are looking at things that we need to do, and this will come to you at a future meeting. Our staff is going out and doing so now we're ready because you've done the work and when I say my hands are tied, I can say no, but it's a slap in the face to the work you've done. So why would I do that? It's a good idea. You've moved forward, but I've got to now when this makes public and it will when they see ASS, I mean AHS on the build, you, you get my drift here? That's the process that I'm talking about. And I think there just has to be a sensitivity to a public board different than a private board where you guys can say, okay, we'll do it. Because we get hit in the community about why are you spending this money when you have a debt and, you know, all of those kinds of things. So when you do it ahead of time, then it's a lot easier because you brought us along with you. And that's the idea that I'm trying to convey. So. I'm ready to move the question if the rest of you are. Well, and I, and I can say, um, uh, Michelle, that uh, lesson learned for me, for sure. And, and uh, I can assure you that moving forward, we will, we will make sure that we revisit the process and ensure that and, you guys and are And you're going to so make mistakes and you can't please us all. So, you know, this, this happens to be one. But I do think you guys are on the right track. I think sure. you've done your due diligence. All of those things I don't quarrel with. Sure. Um, I'm ready to move the question too, but let me amend my own my own <laughs> movement. Um, I would move that we approve this, but um, I'd like to hear a date when you're going to come back to the um, committee and to the board with a um, with with that comprehensive plan that you were talking about. From a team to the ER, we have a level right. two ETA five minutes. From a team to the ER, level two, ETA five minutes. What? Right now, our schedule for our space master plan, we would have a, we would be looking at uh, a report out or sharing the information uh, first quarter. We're looking at March of next year. See, and when I when I see March. the comprehensive, and Jim, respectfully, um, the comprehensive plan when it comes forward really would be just yep. information, because. The policy issue is the money and moving forward. That's the policy yeah. issue, and that's where we take a vote. We would not vote on your plan on whether or not you want to put 
grants over here and finance over there. And, and that's not our business, in my view. That's, that's up to you guys. So if you brought forward a plan, and Jim, I guess this is, this is between you and me and in terms of interpretation. Uh, bringing a plan forward would be, would be nice information so that we know where people are, but I see it as mm -hmm. purely information and not a vote. So if the oh, others... I agree. Okay. I agree. I agree. It's for information. Um, but, um, you know, it, what I want to make sure, is, yeah. what I want to do is make sure that there really is a plan, because what I'm hearing is we need the space and, you know, we are going to have, you know, and it'll fit into the plan. So let's see the plan. Let's see the plan. So, so if, if, I, if there I... were a plan, if there were a plan, we'd be, we'd be told, here is the plan and here is how the space fits into it. And I think that would improve at least my comfort level. So, you know, I'd be approving the space, not the, or the lease, not the plan. So let's get the plan. And I agree with you. It's a report, not a, not a vote. Well, but I would, I would hopefully, and, and, and I think the plan is intended to help inform what, what modifications we need to make to better utilize some of our current real estate. So it, really the plan, although it may be informational initially, I think it's gonna it's gonna help drive and it'll, you know, initiate further and new discussions about what makes the most sense. Should we move dental from where it's at to over here, or mm -hmm. or expand the GI services, or open up a new specialty clinic, or so it, the, the the plan is really intended to help us, you know, begin to have some further dialogue about how we want to maximize the space that we have to meet all of our operational and strategic right. needs. And, and not, so just that, not just that, I'm sorry, yeah, getting, not just that space, but Correct. all our space. All of the space, right. yes, ma'am. Right. And that's, the, that's really the intent of the plan. Uh -huh. So it'll be more than informational. Hopefully it'll start driving some further dialogue and discussion. Okay. I move the question. All right. Um, all in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. Let's move on. Um, I move the care fusions. I move care fusion solutions. Second. Someone will second that. Okay. Um, uh, we have uh, Mr. Holly stand, standing by to answer questions, or if there's none, we can just uh, proceed. I have none. No, no questions on this end. No questions. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think one one question I I have, and um, Dave, you and I have had some, you know, just dialogue on this in the past day or so. Um, the and, and this may not be the perfect example, but you know, this is presented as okay. Here we go. Here's the thing, and and this is a little. This is back, I think, to process really. Um, you know, you know, these are big. We're, we're, we make a lot of commitments, but we often don't hear much about. The work that goes on in the background to identify alternatives, consider alternatives. So we see the net results of this, but I think one of our accountabilities as a board is to ensure that there is a, you know, a critical eye put towards, um, you know, uh, major expenditures and extensions of contracts to make sure that things are, um, you know, that we're always, you know, we're, we're getting best value and that we're turning over the rocks and making sure that you know, there isn't something better out there that's worth considering. So um, I think that's both a point and a question. I you know if you could talk about the um, background mm. process a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, each contract has a business owner. That business owner would typically express satisfaction or dissatisfaction. 
uh, they work with the contracting mm -hmm. department. Contracting may look at it and come up with issues, and then it goes through senior level review. Uh, I know that I personally often ask about contracts, and uh, I think we have a pretty good process. You know, we can we can improve, but um, you know, I think we're trying to cover it. Mm -hmm. Well, as a as a friendly suggestion, maybe um, you can find a way, you know, without you know making this into some huge thing, just to you know explain a little bit little bit of that background, so that you know we as a board can say, hey, you know, we're we're we're, we're making sure that this is happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Does that make sense? Yes. Any other trustee questions or comments? No. Not for me. All right. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Sounds unanimous. I will move the Siemens Medical Solutions USA. Second. Contract. Okay. Um, uh, Dave, any comments from management team? I had some questions. Questions on this end, Jim. Okay, and I have a question, or I might have a question depending on the question asked there. Go ahead. So as as kind of we're looking at the long-range IT plan and, you know, the possibility of EPIC for all of this, how does, what kind of ramifications does this have, like the Siemens until 2022? Uh, is that like a separate thing and this would continue whether or not we do something else with the EHL? No, what this, uh, the part of this contract is the existing contract goes through 2021, and so this is a way to get the system upgraded in a cost-effective way. So, so there are implications of decisions we might make with the EHR to do that, but, but this is an effective way to get our system upgraded through this process, and it is a good way to do it. So to remain eligible um, for that support is is why we need to do this extend. Yeah, this is this system is called PAX, which is um, picture archiving. So it's separate from the EHR. Oh, okay. We'll probably interface into whatever EHR we get. Okay. Okay. It also includes our radiology system and our cardiology system. So Imagine. they all go together. Along mm -hmm. the radiometrics piece is mm -hmm. dose monitoring. We're required to keep track of how much dosing we're giving to each patient throughout their care, and so that. That system works with the semen system to measure that and track it across okay. the patient's care. So Siemens, that's helpful to yeah, know. Siemens used to own Sorian before the sort of right. discerner. Right. That was their EHR sort of world. And their other big world is, is, is this. This is bigger. And this is not necessarily connected to Sorian, uh, um, but it is. I mean, it's connected, but it's not a, sort of a package product. I get it. You can use okay. Packs within the okay. That's helpful. Thank you. Um, uh, I, I guess either Dave, but I'm assuming Dave um, Gravender will answer. Um, so we, we, you know, we, we've we've had we've had you, you've had more than your fair share of um, you know of systems installs where there's some um, you know where things don't seem things don't go as well as they. You know, we might hope, and everyone gets a headache and indigestion and everything. So I'm curious, um, you know, who's kind of taken, who's, who's both taken the responsibility on both sides to make sure that this gets done well, and um, and maybe can, and, and who's and is there a process for making sure that all of this um, upgrading goes well? 
that, that's a big question, Jim. Uh, so um, I know. <laughs> final accountability that lies with us to ensure that it goes well, and that's us working with Siemens to ensure that the process for implementation, testing, and sign-off on that testing by our end users goes well and is, is validated before we turn the system live in production. And so that's working with Dr. Yasumoto, who's been very, very integrated in this decision, uh, and Dr. Froelich, who's been engaged on the cardiology side, and Heather Duke, who's the director of that area, to ensure that this, what we're proposing to do in these upgrades meets the needs of the department, uh, its feature function that they need, as well as keeping us current on applications to, to not fall out of support mm -hmm. uh, and cause us more problems. Okay. Um. Well, I know that you more than anyone else probably wants everything to go smoothly, but um, um, yeah, you know, I I asked the question because I want to encourage you, you know, encourage you to do that. Yeah, I would say. I know you will. We we have put new processes in place to ensure uh, more consistent testing processes, more consistent end user engagement in the testing that we are doing, uh, and to ensure mm -hmm. that that IT, along with the, the customer department that we're working with, agree to the way we're doing it and see that the outcome will be correct. And so that we're not doing anything without end user engagement and end users aren't doing anything without our engagement. And so those processes is, is part of what Rose Kim, our director, has put in place on the, with the applications team to, to be more certain of that success. That's helpful. Is that kind of learning from uh, some, some of the recent um, challenges we've had? Yes. That that's, that that's needed? Yeah. Uh, incremental process improvement and okay. in, in how we go about what we've done and, and lessons learned in those processes. That's what it's all about, man. Um, other questions, trustees? No, nope, not for me. None. No. Okay. All in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. Let's move on to... Dupuis synthesis sales. I'll move that onto the agenda. Give a second. I second. Sorry. Okay. Um, any, uh, Dave, see any um, comments from management team? Uh, I just had a question to Ira, and it's really a, a more clerical thing. Yeah. When you have on these forms, Ira, and I appreciate the forms because I think that you've cleaned this stuff up quite a bit, and thank you. When you said not not presented for board approval at this time, does that mean it's already been approved, or is is that what that intention is? What, what that would mean is, um, Trustee Luganani, can you hear me? Okay. Um, I, I, I can. I okay, can. Okay, good. I am yes, trying. Thank you, Ira. <laughs> um, with regards to that, yes. When we put down that board um, approval is not required at this time, either the prior situation was not a board level contract or that contract was approved by the board in the past and we're not asking for approval now. We're trying to um, change the format, if you will, when we present the um, contracts for approval to list not only the terms of the contract for your approval, but also the prior history with that vendor. And in the course of mm -hmm. doing that, we want to not conflict with what we're asking for approval. And so that's where that is coming from. There can be a way that it can be clear. I would be happy to do that. Well, basically what you said is previously approved, mm -hmm. which lets it, or board approval not needed. Would I think both of those two things might be better than not presented for board approval at this time, because I didn't know what that 
does that mean you're going to present it later or does that but I see the dates over at the side so it looks like it's already come to us so uh, that would be my my Understood. I would definitely my clarification okay. so we'll now that. that I know what it, what your intention is I'm okay thank you that was all Jim thank you okay um, I do have two two questions probably for Ira so I was thought the last finance committee meeting we we're in um, I believe you know we, we, we talked about um, that there were um, you know I'd say often is a fair term uh, you know contract that had expired and now they were coming to the board so it was kind of there's an after the fact issue and I think you did a very good job of explaining you know, both acknowledging that that was an issue and also explaining the process you're going through too um, you know the kind of Get that get that in order, and so I just um, wondered if there's any updates you wanted to, um, you know, give us in terms of for further progress on your efforts in that regard, and any help that you need. Um, absolutely. Um, uh, based on our discussions we had in the prior board meeting, um, I have been updating a little. I call it a. Uh, it's a training presentation, if you will. It's a short slideshow that essentially identifies the key responsibilities for the business owners as well as the key responsibilities of my department when working on a contract process. There have been frequently identified common mistakes, if you will, or misunderstandings which lead to downstream problems, including mm -hmm. not being aware of a contract until it's too late. Yeah. And so I am going to be going and having one-on-ones with key business owners, starting with those who have essentially been identified as having more frequent opportunities for issues, <laughs> um, being kind. And so I will sit down with them and move forward. One of the things that I thought was actually positive, and it just came yesterday when I was over at Highland, where I don't normally sit, and Christy Yoshino approached me and said that Sharia Jackson, who leads all of the EAs for leadership, had expressed interest and desire in understanding the contracting process better. And and so I took this immediately and said, if you would be happy to set up a session with all of the EAs who facilitate importantly with their leaders, keeping track of what their contracts are in expirations, as well as helping to fill out the contract request forms, I think that is a key get. And so if we can get those on the same page, I think we'll be getting a lot of return on that investment. And that will be one of my first that is, efforts. That's an excellent process. Mm -hmm. uh, decision. That's excellent. So you're, you're, you're recruiting um, spies and, oper and, op and uh, operatives for yourself. That's great. <laughs> Let's I, I do this system right. <laughs> that, that, that's great. That's great. Okay. That's great. So that, that is currently um, the process. Okay. Keep it up. Keep it up. Um, one other, well, and I think a, initially it was a question, but again, um, you know, Dave Cox and I had some back and forth on this, so I just thought maybe you could update uh, folks to the extent that it makes sense. Um, you know, I, I was looking through, and, you know, and there's a section on coordination with medical staff, and, um, and it sounds like you are... Um, that there is an active process going on to figure out just how the medical staff, you know, uh, intersects and is involved in, this, in the overall process, and um, but but it's not but it's not completed yet. So I, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to do to update us on that, or maybe you want to update us on on that at a little bit later time. But it's just so important, especially with things like this, which are really going to be used by the medical staff. <laughs> they have a 
say at the end of this. This is Dr. This is Dr. Jamaluddin. Uh, and Chief ah, hi, Doctor. Yes. Uh, so uh, we are we are building a continuous process into uh, evaluating the contracts uh, and involving the medical staff. So uh, the current uh, uh, proposed contracts were evaluated by the chairs. Uh, I discussed each uh, one of them with the chairs, but moving forward. All contracts prior to be uh, presented here, they will uh, have an assigned process owner uh, to evaluate them, and we will give them key performance indicators. Uh, so uh, the chairs will be involved in all relevant contracts related to uh, patient uh, care, and uh, uh, they will be uh, assigned through our uh, electronic platform, which is called Track Manager, to evaluate the contracts mm -hmm. electronically. Uh, as far as physician contracts, uh, you know, as Ira stated, I think we are meeting every week, and I uh, discuss uh, the physician contracts with the medical executive uh, uh, as as related to the delivery of care uh, without uh, having conflict of interest. Just to give an example uh, about a contract like the AIM contract at Alameda mm -hmm. Hospital. Um, we build into it uh, sort of jeopardy just in case we have congested emergency uh, department at Highland so we can transfer patients and they can staff accordingly to, uh, to accommodate patients in case we need this. This is something that we did at San Leandro. And we are uh, starting as much as possible to standardize uh, in terms of the, of the care they delivered within those contracts and we are including in them performance indicators. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a lot okay. more information than I bargained for. Oh, so, thank so, you. Sorry. <laughs> I, no, 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 I say that was a compliment. I, I, that, 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 that's, a, that's a compliment. That's a compliment. Okay, thank you. Um, thank you. Um, I anything to add to that? Um, no, except that we do maintain a continuous work group that involves both executive leadership. Um, it's co-chaired right now, I believe, by myself, as well as Karen Bashaw, VP of Quality, and we are working with and engaging our medical staff leadership colleagues to work this process out to get a formalized process. Um, right now, I believe the next scheduled meeting of that work group is the 17th of this month. I am hopeful that we will be able to move the needle significantly as a result of that meeting, and hopefully we will have a formalized process which will give clarity to all parties as a result soon thereafter. Thanks. Uh, Michelle, Kinney, any other questions from your end? Not from me. No, not from me. Okay, all in favor? Aye. Aye, okay, unanimous. All right, I think we're down to the last one, Alameda Inpatient Medical Group. Um, I'll move that. Second. Okay. Dave C., any comments from your end? Uh, no. uh, this is the one that Dr. Jamaluddin just mentioned. I, I, I had okay. one question. Yes. Um, does this involve the nocturnist or, you know, there was one, I was just connecting the dots from the audit. Um, 
notes about you know a shortage there or some kind of lack. So the nocturnist at Highland is different. It's an Oakland. Uh, it's an Oakland. Uh, oh, so it's not the Alameda. So it's, it's not Oak Care. Okay, it's Oak Care. Yeah, Oak Care. But they they have coverage twenty four seven for the hospitalist at okay. Alameda Hospital. Okay. Thank you. Okay. No more questions. No more questions. Okay, no more questions. Okay, all in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. Um, we're on a roll. Anything else you want us to approve? Just kidding. Uh, okay. Um, Dave, let's hear about the uh, let's hear about September. Mm, okay. We're uh, now on to the uh, PowerPoint presentation, which I think you have. And I'm on page four. Yes, I do. Okay, great. Thank you. I'll uh, <clears throat> walk us through this and respond to questions. Um, so uh, through September, we're, we're profitable, uh, somewhat below budget. Um, the, big, the big variance is uh, this GASB 68. It's actually $2.4 million a month variance. Uh, it's a lot of, a lot of uh, expense. It's not actually cash. It's not a cash item. Uh, so it's not affecting... Um, you know our plan. So if I back that out, if I back that out, we're actually we're actually ahead. On the yeah, we, we would be we would be out, right? yeah we'd be well ahead. Uh, but I do want to report yeah. that it's there. Now we've um, yeah. continued to pursue this Sarah issue, and that's something that could get resolved later in the year, and would um, you know minimize this or have an offset to it. Uh, so apart from that, the revenue yield is actually quite strong. Uh, we've got a good collection ratio, better than budget. Supplemental revenues have been strong. Uh, that seems to be on a roll. Uh, looking at the patient activity, we've noted that the uh, inpatient discharges are actually down, but the length of stay and the average case mix index have actually increased. So the patients are sort of sicker, staying longer, filling up beds. Um, uh, we continue to look at ambulatory visits, and those have improved from the prior year sort of across the board, but they, they are not up to budget. We had pretty aggressive budgeting. Uh, one of the things that um, Luis and I are doing with the Budget Oversight Committee is systematically going through, looking at what the actual volumes are, and this is one area where we'll probably make some adjustments here in the, in the coming month. Um, the other thing on expenses is that we've seen that the um, staffing and registry are sort of trending up, um, and there's some reasons for that. We think in, in the current month we... Uh, I think we reported a new new nurse graduate program uh, a couple months ago. Those are now going through the process, so that's adding to the, the staffing cost. Uh, we're doing competencies. We're doing in-service. How are they adding? I'm not understanding that. Uh, we're, we're essentially uh, bringing on new nurse graduates um, as extra staff so that they can get the experience so that they can then become full-time FTEs and therefore then replace registry staff. I see. Okay. So yeah. we're carrying, we're carrying a little bit more training. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we're, we're looking at various things. Um, also, um, in terms of um, this month, we're doing sort of a quarterly review. So I, in, the, in the back of the write-up, I compared current results to mm -hmm. uh, a few different quarters. And you might recall the, the intent of this is that the board you know, after the first quarter says, well, are you going to be able to hit your budget? And so... Trauma came to the ER. We have a level one EPA in 10 minutes. Trauma came to the ER. We have a level one EPA in 10 minutes. 
So I'm here to tell you that I, I think we probably can achieve the budget, so there's really no need to change it from a board perspective. Um, the primary issue get, we have, again, is this GASB 68 thing. Uh, that could be offset by Sarah. Um, we're looking at the volumes. We will make some adjustments internally, but that won't change the, the big budget that you see. We're kind of maintaining an internal reserve as we go through, and we're giving it away in, in some cases and taking it back in others so that we wind up with, with a good budget that seems to be working well. Uh, we do have this ambulatory access redesign project underway. Uh, we're starting to get reports on that, so uh, I think over the next um, you know, two or three months we'll then have some recommendations that uh, potentially could improve access further. Uh, and the other thing we're doing is we're looking at our uh, benchmarking and productivity system so that we, we have good benchmarks. This is a project that Luis and I are working on together. Uh, we're looking at the current system we have. We're looking at some alternatives. And the objective is that when we're meeting with managers, we're, we're able to point to, to other organizations that they can compare themselves to and, you know, establish how they should be operating. Uh, and then finally, we have this uh, variance and budget oversight uh, committee process going. Again, this is something that Luis and I co-chair. Uh, we are meeting regularly every month with managers and systematically going through, and I think that that's been uh, pretty productive. Um, I actually missed the last variance committee, and, and Luis... Um, chaired it, and I think um, you, you're feeling pretty good about it too. Okay, okay. Any comments you want to make about operations at all? Okay. Uh, so I think that's all working. Um, let's see. So here's a few information. Uh, Jim, I'm up to the next one that says um, AHS summary patient activity. And here is when I say that the discharges are down, acute discharges. So you can see 4680, that's below budget. Uh, that, and this is, in this case, it's actually below prior year as well. Mm -hmm. The patient days have actually increased from last year. Mm -hmm. And the big change here is the length of stay Stays. is up 5.7. And I mentioned that in addition to the length of stay, the case mix is up. I didn't put that on here, but it's up. Uh, on post-acute, so this is skilled the nursing. case mix, say a little more about that, Dana. So uh, what happens is um, every inpatient that we have is assigned a weight ranging from 1 to maybe 15, depending on the type of patient that it is. A 1 would be, um, you know, um, normal newborn birth. Top of the pyramid. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then 15 might be a joint replacement. It goes the other way. Yeah, so a low, like a low CMI or case yeah. index is not as... Uh, acute. Acute. Yeah. So these, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Not I've, as, not so as complex a case. Got yeah, it. so it's okay. a way for uh, one hospital... Complex, yeah. To compare yourself to another hospital, say, well, like you know, UCSF might have the same number of patients as, say, Valley Care. They don't; it's higher. But, but if you look at the case mix, mm -hmm. UCSF is going to be like four, four to five, and Valley Care will be one to two. Mm -hmm. So much more intense patients. I see. The hospitals versus trauma yeah. or sure. care. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, now on post-acute care here, you can you see we've actually increased. This is skilled nursing primarily. But so we've gone up to we're yeah, above but when budget. you said the mix, it's getting in what direction? I'm sorry. It's going up. It's going, going up. up. So, so the patients are more, more, more sicker, okay. and more intense. Or we're actually, the other thing could be a reflection of, of a better charge capture. So we're actually capturing more diagnoses because the doctors are mm -hmm. entering more, and it's actually reflecting how sick our population is. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the length of stay has also increased, so that probably does correlate to, 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 to yeah. that. Okay. okay. 
And then down here on the bottom, we're looking at these ambulatory visits, so these clinic visits. And these would be not only the uh, FQHCs, but there are, are actually other visits going on elsewhere in the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can see here, we're um, last year about 85,000, this year about 91,000. So we've, we've got a nice increase overall, not quite up to the budget. Oh, there it is. Um, so this is an area we're looking at, you know, maybe that was aggressive, but we'll, we'll look at that and we'll look at this uh, uh, ambulatory redesign program. Uh, these are just the ambulatory visits, so excluding, you know, the non, this is just FQHC, not the non-FQHC. And you can see that, uh, you know, sort of same trend. The interesting thing here is that we're doing better on specialty than we are on ambulatory. So there's been a real improvement. So we went from 32,600 up to 344. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good increase. Uh, ambulatory has increased as well, but this is this is a pretty good increase. And uh, in particular, I believe it's K6, the uh, uh, Dr. Bavaria Clinic, mm -hmm. uh, who made a presentation to you last year. Mm -hmm. This is the result of the work that she's doing. Mm -hmm. So we're very, very encouraged by that. And um, we're paying a lot of attention to what she's done uh, in the redesign program that's underway. So that's good. Um, Here's, here's the revenue picture. So in terms of patient revenue, we're ahead by 3% uh, above budget. Uh, supplementals are 3.8, so in total 3.4% above budget. That's really good. We're happy with that. The collection ratio is better than we thought it would be, and the total, uh, everything's really going pretty well here. Um, here are the expenses. So we're 5% we're over budget, but the biggest variance is this line. This is that GASB 68 issue, 7.6 million. Uh, you can see that at this point we're favorable on salaries, but then we have this um, registry issue. So again, the idea here is get these nurses trained. Those are embedded. Backup trauma team to the ER, level one trauma, EPA in five minutes. Backup trauma team for the ER. We have a level one trauma, ETA, five minutes. Um, and, and so uh, the new nurses are embedded in here, so the real variance is probably more positive than this. And then you can see the registry staff. So the idea is to get these nurses trained, uh, hire them full-time, and then reduce registries. And then we have some other things. Most of the other variances are, you know, pretty good. Um, this, this variance uh, in repairs and maintenance was a one-time event associated with the new hospital. So um, I think overall, you know, we're doing okay and we have things, some things to work on, but um, I think the budget should be achievable. Here, here's where we are overall, um, about a 2.8 million profit so far. That is below budget, um, but it's better than where we were last year at this time, which is 1.6, 1.7 million. And I think we, uh, you know, we're, we should be start tracking uh, better going forward here. Uh, now, there's another couple. Well, like you, Go ahead. And like you said, I mean, a lot of this is, you know, you strip out, you know, you know GASB 68 and you're ahead. Yes. And we would be ahead, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now I'm up to slide 10, which is the uh, cash collections and AR. So this is one area where um, I have some concern. Um, so you can see this is our net AR in gray on the right. So we had this good, this goes back to when I started in June 2014. So you can see we've had some nice improvement. We get down here to the end of 2016, we're looking really good. And then we did this um, upgrade, system upgrade, and we had, we had a glitch. And it mm -hmm. sort of disrupted billing. 
Uh, it's jumped us up to just over 70 days at the end of September. Uh, obviously, the teams are all over this. Uh, this, is, this represents about, I figure, eight or nine million dollars at this point in cash. Uh, and so you can see it here because on the purple line on the left, this is what we were collecting uh, per day, you know, 1.4, 1.45 million. We do the upgrade and then we're down to like 1.2, 1.25, uh, which works out to about eight or nine million dollars. And this works, this number works out to about eight or nine million dollars, so it's consistent. Um, we're working very hard to correct that right now, but Dave's team, my team, uh, I met with my team today. They're getting very good support, lots of issues, but they're knocking them down one by one. We're hoping to catch up in, uh, in November on that. Did the system glitch um, cause some things to be lost permanently or no? Uh, we don't think so. We think we can, at this point, recover. I mean, there's a potential, but I think we're going to recover at this point. Thank you. Let me just add, this, the comment I made around lessons learned around better testing, more mm. complete sign-off and integration between the engineering department and IT it came from this incident in October. So okay. really what's driving how we're moving forward with how we do testing and mm -hmm. implementations. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, slide 11 is our forecast. Um, you can see the little arrow there is where we are today. And uh, so we're at about $110 million. That'll keep tracking down. Uh, I, I, I'm putting this as, as uh, you know, sort of best and worst. Both of those are better than our target. Uh, we actually have a potential of being uh, even better than this on a few different issues. So at this point, I think we're fine uh, forecasting through the year. I'm not concerned about uh, breaching any uh, agreements with the county. Okay? Uh, I have a question. You used to show us um, uh, payables, accounts payable. And yes. Where... Where are we with that? So that um, I can add that back. Uh, we are current with all of our payables. Um, Th that's where we get the calls. Is yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. 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 And we occasionally do get calls, but it turns out it's not. It's generally because there's been poor communication inside the system, and maybe somebody hasn't got an invoice in, or you know, something like that. But we resolve them very quickly. I get maybe one one call a month, and it's not because. We don't have the cash to pay vendors just because of a real reason that somebody's just. We just and we're continuing to improve that okay. process. Okay. Yeah, and I can so add. So how many? Add about, Forty-five days, sixty oh, days. I think we're well within that. We're probably under forty days at this point on okay. average. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay, I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Gravender. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. I had okay, Jim. So, Dave. So this, I mean, this is this looks great. This seems to be. I mean, you know, your your presentation is very upbeat. Um, is there anything, you know, in Del Vecchio, you too? Is there anything that we need to that's bothering you, that's in the back of your mind, that we should be worried about, or at least aware of? Well, I'll, I'll start first. I mean, I, I feel like. Um we, we have challenges, but we've stabilized. It's orderly. It's working well. We have a good team. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, Luis, or Rebecca? <laughs> um, I appreciate the, the, the ask, Jim. I, I would say, you know, this it's, it's always a moving target, right? So, so uh, as, yeah. I, as I sit here today, I share David's sentiment that, uh, by and large, you know, we, 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 we seem to be okay, and things are working. And as he said, we have... Uh, some opportunities, uh, uh, and, and many of them he's went, uh, gone through for you. So, so yeah, we we are, we'll continue to monitor those, and we want to continue to work on all the other opportunities that we still have uh, around profi billing and some other. These are opportunities that 
uh, we're going to continue to pursue. But as it stands in terms of, you know, comparative uh, concerns, I don't think they rise to the level of, like, um, uh, threatening any sort of uh, um, solvency or, or, or stability that we have. It's just opportunities, and we're going to continue to pursue that. Yeah, it's just, this is, yeah, I get the impression that to the extent that there are problems or challenges or whatever, they're in the normal course of business, and you'll get them resolved. <laughs> that's that's our expectation and intention, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, any, uh, the, uh, on the uh, uh, fewer, fewer but sicker patient side, is there any, is that just, is okay. there anything there, is that just? No, it was the, it was the other way, um, actually. The, the case mix went up, uh, which suggests that the patients are uh, uh, sicker than they were, or, as I said, you know, more intense, a yeah. combination of, 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 more intense, I should say, yeah, or complex in terms of mm-hmm. the, um uh, their presentation, um, uh, or, or some combination of that and uh, uh, improved uh, uh, capture of their their uh, severity of illness. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to know what the timeline was for the ambulatory, you know, access redesign. Where were we with that, and when was that going to be? And was the you know because we are not meeting our targets, was media the kind of time when you one would do like? Look at our budget. Is that too aggressive? Should we scale back or make it more feasible? When, you know, how how does that line up with the timeline for the with the engagement process? You really, you, you well, it's it's a it's a four month uh, engagement. Dr. Jamaluddin's the lead. He he'll can comment in a second. We're about four weeks in. Uh, we oh. are already getting reports out. There's some interesting findings. So, Dr. Jamaluddin. Yeah, uh, I mean, we have uh, <clears throat> a few things are happening. So one, we have the fleet evaluation, which is in progress about uh, about the patient flow and the issue, the operational issues. Uh, we are recruiting a chief uh, administrative officer. So I'm going to interview, start interviewing, uh, you know, hopefully in about 10 days. Uh, we have already two or three CVs with the recruiters. And uh, me when do you wha- anticipate uh, offer? And the whole. I'm I'm uh, I'm being aggressive, saying before the end of the year by December. Oh, okay. That's uh, that's I'm hoping. But uh, meanwhile, I uh, uh, appointed Minnie Swift as acting, just to get uh, reorganize the org structure, and we want to standardize throughout our wellness center uh, in terms of processes. I uh, got input from. Uh, Luis, he was very helpful in terms of reorganizing the org structure mm-hmm. and to see how uh, operationally we can start uh, the work. And uh, we are uh, developing metrics uh, to, to see where, where is you know, the opportunities mm-hmm. and uh, ways that we can work on. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we should start seeing results. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know. Are the, where are the pain points and where, yeah. you know, with the ambulatory, so that's good. Right. That it's and, and the specialties also, we want to include them under this, this organization, all the specialties. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We're, we're looking at, I mean, that's, that's a big part of our, our effort already this year. Um, uh, pursuant to the strategic plan, though, we're looking at a, a couple of different areas in ambulatory uh, that, that present opportunities, one, two, 
uh, increase uh, volume um, uh, or in access, I should say, um, um, you know, reduce wait times and uh, uh, create um, a sort of a, a staffing and a clinical care model that allows us to uh, uh, stratify our patients, see the more complex patients in a different way uh, than we do the, the uh, uh, less uh, uh, people without chronic conditions or less mm-hmm. or more healthy, I should say. Uh, as well as a host of other things. We're exploring potential expansion opportunities in terms of other sites, partnerships with CHCN uh, for specialty services and a host of other things. Mm-hmm. So, so more to it, but this one is certainly underway now and uh, it's looking at more standard or uh, maximizing what we currently have. Another, uh, I see it as a bright spot, is an experiment. We had a grant to do the e-consult for mm-hmm. specialties mm-hmm. and we are starting to see uh, like good good results about this, uh, especially those consults are coming now from CHC and to our specialists. So uh, at least we are answering questions and, you know, we are having, uh, we're using a platform called Rubicon, which is really very effective in bi-directional communication and very user-friendly from the doctor's standpoint. And, um, uh, you know, so far it's really very encouraging with this with this. Uh, for the specialty with this experiment. So we are uh, looking into making it at the wide scale and into change management mm-hmm. of, of, of mm-hmm. the specialty consults. Excellent. And for the user, too, it must be so much yeah. more streamlined. So mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's very good to hear. Have we abandoned lean processes for now? No, 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 no. That recruitment is underway as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We're actually in the speak. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, Jim, I think we can move well, to the... Shall we move on to Mr. Gravender? Mm-hmm. Excellent idea. <clears throat> so, my, my report this month is really focused around... Well, thank you. I thought that was an excellent idea, too. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, report this month around our, our project prioritization process. So, in our uh, what we found in our latest engagement was that we had a, a uh, disconnected process by which we decided which projects happened next. It was pretty much independent to each one of the application teams would look within their uh, portfolio of projects, talk with their end users, and then we would do projects. And then it would come down to, well, now that we need something from a different area, the integration team, let's say, that team would be usually working on other projects, and so stuff would just get put on hold, and so then different projects would get started. And it was very much a, a disconnected process of saying which projects should be worked on and should be, we should engage the organization in. Uh, much of it was done by, by IT and not by the end user department in giving feedback on what's most, they might say what's most important to them, but at the time we might engage the project, wasn't at a time which they could engage the project. And so those disconnects were happening in a widespread way. Uh, so Lightus brought us this process of, of prioritization, which looks at, uh, from the voice of the customer process, part of that was uh, driving these reasons on why we should do projects. Why should projects raise to the top of the list? And specifically in there, you can say improving the uh, patient safety and quality of care, improving patient experience, and improving clinician experience are directly from the voice of the customer process. Where the for, From the large number of interviews that were done, if you remember that presentation I did, uh, I think it was last month or it could have been the month before, where we did the large number of interviews, got comments from people, sorted those down into what they should be, and those three were part of the outcome of that experience to say, uh, these are things that should help us focus on what we do with IT in the future. Give me an example of the issues. So improving uh, patient safety and quality of care should be a, 
if we have a project that improves our patient safety process, that should score higher in a priority process than something that does not, that doesn't add to that value. No, I suppose I was asking, some of the feedback you got, what, what fits in there? Because uh, I could probably cl very cleverly make a case for getting something done under, under patient safety and quality care. Right, that's why it's not the only criteria. It's why there's, it's why there's this list of nine. Um, which drives that because it isn't the only, it isn't a singular item by which a project gets prioritized. So it has to have a, a return on investment as well. Right? A positive return on investment needs to be positive for the organization. While that might not, and that's not the only criteria either, where something that strictly just brings in a lot of money may not score higher than something that does improve patient safety or improves the provider experience. So the scoring you work on, what what are the mm -hmm. projects you work on that get what score? Uh, every project gets scored. No. Um, what? So, I think I understand the question. Okay. So every project gets through the scoring. The weighting factor is a multiplier based on the range of the score that gets given. So let's say a, pro a project comes in that has a high level of improving patient safety and quality of care. My score of 10, so it would get on the right there 100 points. If it scores low, it gets and it gets rated at 1, it would score 10 points. That totals up in the bottom, somewhere ranges between 72 if it's a 1 on everything and 720 if it's a high on everyone. So we go through and we've ranked we are scoring all of the projects that are in our prioritized list to look at where do these fall in, and then we'll, then we'll look at what is the resource required to do each one of those, and then we'll say at some point we want another resource, either financial resource, human resource, or the time it takes to do a project. And this process helps us say these are the projects we should be looking at to decide which ones get done and which ones don't get done. Uh, not at the whim of a, whim might be a too strong a word, not at the a decision of, a, of an analyst or a, a manager, but at the organizational level, we're looking at what's most important to the organization. And, and then it would be understanding better what those resource requirements are, so that if we do get to the case of this is an important project to do, okay, clearly, if we want to do this project, it requires that three different teams and two different departments get engaged and provide the resources to do that project. And because we've formed the IT steering committee now with the governance, we've got the leadership in place to say, if this is the project we're doing, we're committing the resources to be successful in doing it. And IT is not going off and trying to do projects without the, the and, and engagement of the, others. And who gives the score? Is it a committee? Is it a, is it, who gives the score? Right. So we formed a small group to do the scoring initially, and then the, those scores and ranking all come back to the IT steering committee, which then finalizes those scoring. So it may be that a project doesn't score high, but the organization sees it as a higher priority than how it scored because it has other strategic implications that might not score well under these criteria, although they should. But if they don't, the IT steering committee can still say that project needs to be moved up above the line and be worked on. So it is the IT steering committee which is made up of uh, the executive committee and, and, and others in the organization. So, so this gives us the way of how we should be allocating our resources, both financial and human, to get done the most important projects and get the resources assigned appropriately to do those projects. I, I understand this uh, waiting process and how the process is. But what would be an example like of a patient safety IT that's pouring sure. again? Uh, a, a project like uh, barcoded med administration. So when we're barcoding the patient and the drug and the nurse mm -hmm. to get the right dose at the right time to the right patient okay. by the right route. 
that that's that's the type of thing we're looking at. Um, a system that improves the information flow from one provider to another. Mm -hmm. That gets us there would be an example of that. Mm -hmm. So we're we're in our first iteration of this. These may change as we work through it and find that you know what that's not uh, not clear enough to be able to score, or it's not it's not providing any value in a scoring process of discerning between projects. We may change those, but this is our first cycle through, and we'll. Uh, we'll look at these results and see if it's if we're making a lot of adjustments later to the scores, then we know that our algorithm probably isn't the right one, and we need to pick up a different criteria or a different measurement on that. So I wanted to share that process is is something new that we're working through. Our first report to the ICT steering committee, uh, IT steering committee meets on the tenth, and and that's will be the first review of the project scoring that has been done uh, to this point. Right. It sounds like a good, logical, structured process. So, you know, and like you said, the proof is in the pudding. And, um, you know, and also if, um, you know, I think especially if people whose projects are prioritized low and they don't get done, if they can accept that based upon, you know, your, um, your, your algorithm there. Uh, I did have two other things I want to touch on. <clears throat> we had our report out yeah. from Lidos of the of kind of phase one on Monday uh, this week, so it wasn't ready for presentation to the committee yet. Um, good findings, a lot of information there that I'll be pre preparing into report for next month, so it'll be a more expanded report next month with a, with a lot more information around the phase one findings uh, and recommendations for improvements with soaring clinicals, soaring financials, uh, and, and other next steps that will need to be done. So that'll be in next month's report. I also want to report on our NextGen Go Live. We continue to roll out NextGen throughout our ambulatory centers. We opened up uh, the OBGYN Women's Clinic uh, last Monday. Uh, they went live. Very few issues through that process. We're, we, we've got a pretty good process in place for uh, working with the departments, getting their templates built, uh, and then identifying the education needs to happen and bringing units up. So uh, this is the third one we've done in a relatively short time period that has gone smoothly. Uh, obviously, learning on each one of those, not that there aren't issues and changes being requested through the process, but uh, no major um, roadblocks were found. Uh, the, the providers have adopted quickly, and we're rolling, ramping back up to uh, normal productivity, or, although it happens over several weeks as they, they, they lower their schedule to meet uh, some of that implementation. So some of that ambulatory visits could be because of that. We rolled out three clinics, right? Not that they're huge clinics, but it's going to have an impact on that as we as we reduce our number of visits during that go-live time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so next, the next step in this is really to look at the remaining specialty clinics. Uh, we have the uh, adult immunology clinic coming live at the end of November, and then after that, then we get to the specialties and many specialty clinics that need to be rolled out that, are, uh, that will cons that consume a lot more resources to get that done as we, as we start to look at resources uh, at specialties. And we'll be bringing a proposal forward to the IT steering committee to look at what are the resource needs uh, to do that and evaluate the plan versus the resources and decide what we want to do. Okay. Thank you. And that's it. Great. Um, can Kenny, Michelle, any questions from you? No, no questions. No Thanks. questions. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Um, uh, Delvecchio, any uh, comments from, from you? Uh, no, sir. Thank you for asking. 
Was that a no, no comment? Oh, that was a no, no comment. Yes, sorry. Okay, all right. That is couldn't didn't quite hear you there. All right. Well, why don't we move on? We're exactly on time. This is great. Uh, why don't we move on to business planning? And we're going to receive a report from Mishwari. Yes. Um, thank you. And I'll try and keep us on time as well. Um, just have a. Uh, update really the theme uh, for the last month has been processes and building the standard work process. So to that effect, we, uh, as I mentioned earlier at our last meeting here, uh, we did have our retreat in early November. This was the uh, retreat to bring our two teams together and start to work as a high-performing team. That was the theme of our day planning work. In addition to doing team building, we also looked at the bolus of work we have and how do we do it effectively and how do we create what are the things we need to have in place to create standard work um, and, and really perform at the top of our game. So uh, that was a good day. And as a result of that, we've had, um, um, you can see some of the, the financial reports here prepared by the SBU managers are reflected in the reports you read. And we continue to keep a hope to keep improving on that and adding to that. Uh, their work has also been reflected uh, in the process that David described that he and Louise chair through the Variance Committee as well as the Budget Oversight Committee. Uh, the SBU business managers and also the rest of our team play a very important role in looking at the business performance by SBU uh, and then informing um, and working with their counterparts in operations, and we've seen this happen two times over the course of the last two variance committees, in identifying the variances and, and then helping affect some of those changes. One of the things we will also do is, as through the variance committee, we will also track to see if those changes were implemented and what we talked about did happen, and that also is a partnership effort with the SPU business managers and, and operations. Um, uh, on the other line of our work, uh, the business planning efforts, that's just starting. Again, we are creating standard business templates in a process. We are working through uh, three uh, needs that have come up, and we are articulating, defining it, and we hope to bring the process and the work product back to this committee in the near future. Uh, and while we're doing all this work, we are short-staffed. What are the three, three needs? Um, we are looking at developing a, a business plan or looking to see if there's a need for GI, uh, looking at a service line development for GI services uh, across the system. Um, the other is primary care across uh, two different geographies, both in um, Alameda Hospital as well as Tri-Valley, um, both coming from different needs. Um, and the third is um, the rehab uh, relocation project, which uh, I know the board has uh, talked about well back in the past. Mm. But that has a deadline, and we're working through again with Luis's leadership uh, to bring some of that to this board um, uh, to um, advance that significant project that has seasonal requirements. Mm -hmm. And while we're doing all this, we are short-staffed. So we are still in the process of identifying um, the right fit for the positions we have. And as I mentioned earlier, we are interviewing a, a few internal candidates um, for the role. Um, and we'll hope to have this filled before the end of the year. Thank you, Ishwari. It's really helpful to get this kind of you know, continuous feedback on how this integration of the, these two departments and units are going and what's rolling out. So very good to keep us appraised on a regular basis. Okay. 
Kishwari, you said you're you know trying to staff up. How you know what what level of people you're looking for? How you're looking for them? Okay, we have a vacancy for our uh, one of our SBUs, which is the um, we are combining two SBUs to address the need for an, a business manager to work uh, with both ambulatory as well as AHP provider delivery. So both those um, SBUs will be combined and will be um, led by an SBU business manager. That's the one we are filling. We also have a couple mm -hmm. of senior financial analyst openings that we are trying to fill that were. Um, due to retirement and uh, another uh, a per, a, a, um, person moved within the organization, we're trying to identify uh, who would fill those positions as well. Thank you. Okay. Um, I have, well, I have an idea. I'll, I'll, I'll follow up later, see if we can help you on that. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. No promises, but, you know, every, every bit helps. Um, so I guess we're up to the uh, educational session. Going to ask uh, Dave Pistoni to. I'm sorely needed, I must say. Okay. Now let me let me start by saying that uh, this at least is for me. At least for me. Go ahead. I'm this sorry. is this is actually not my presentation. We we belong to a organization called CAPG, which is the uh, California Accountable Physician Groups. So these are groups that um, take capitation, manage risk, and. Uh, very, uh, if you want to get into population health and capitation management, this is a very good place to go because these are the groups that are really driving this effort in California. And so periodically we go, go to the conferences. This is one of the presentations from it. And it's timely because it's talking about how physicians get paid by Medicare. Okay? Now, in our case, um, we have about uh, $20 million a year that we get paid by Medicare for services that our physicians provide to Medicare recipients. Okay, so we're talking about $20 million. Um, and it just so happens that um, the program's changing. So I'm going to kind of give you some context on um, how it's going. And you can see some terms that they're MIPS and APMs and Macron. We'll kind of get into that. Um, but um, well, let, me, let me start with, um, not on this slide, but let me just talk to you about how physicians get paid under what's called fee-for-service. Okay, so um, physicians get paid on something called RVUs, relative value units. And what that means is there's a system that tracks anything a physician does, signs a code, and a weight to it. Okay, so like if a physician does a basic office office visit, the code is 99201, and it's worth one point, one RVU. Okay, if they do a um, very complex, say it's a new patient where they've got to work it up, that's a 99204. That's worth about two points, two RVUs. Okay, so then there's something called a, a conversion factor, and a conversion factor is a dollar amount that they get paid, and it's the, and the amount they get paid is the RVUs times the conversion factor. Mm -hmm. So, say the conversion factor is fifty dollars. Then for a nine nine two zero one, they get paid one times fifty fifty dollars. Mm -hmm. For a nine nine two zero four, they get paid two times fifty for a hundred dollars. Okay, so the more RVUs you do, uh, and if you happen to be a cardiac surgeon, and you do a case, you might get fifteen RVUs for doing open heart surgery times 50. Mm -hmm. 
So it'd be $750 from Medicare. That's the way physicians get paid, basically, individual physicians. Okay. David, is the point, the point system mm -hmm. the relative RVUs? RVU, yeah. Relative value. Right. Yeah. RVUs. Mm -hmm. Are they, we talked about um, 10, the, the universal coding. Mm -hmm. uh, ICD-10, ICD yes. ICD, that's what Yeah, I this is all, compli all compliant with ICD-10. So they all comply with ICD-10? Yes. Got it. Yes. Okay. okay. And, Sorry, this is, and this is a system that Medicare uses for everybody in the country. Okay. They, they might have slightly different conversion factors because they adjust it for area wage indexes and a few other factors. But let's just say it's 50 because that's about what it is. Now, um, one of the things that's been going on over the years... Senator, we have a code gray. HCP, fourth floor, nurse station. We have a code gray. Acute care tower, fourth floor, nurse station. Again, code gray, acute care tower, fourth floor, nurse station. Okay. So, um, over the years, Medicare has tried to contain costs. Okay. And so uh, what they have done is each year they have something called uh, the sustainable growth rate, growth, growth rate, which is a CPI adjustment to the conversion factor, okay? 3%, 4%, 5%. Well, a few and years who ago... who sets that rate? Um, the CMS, CMS, Medicare sets it. Uh, a few years ago, they started saying, well, we're, you know, we think we're paying doctors too much, so let's start cutting. There was legislation, part of a budget deal somewhere in the past that said, we're going to start cutting it. And then guess what? They got to the next year, and they said, oh, this is going to be a lot of money, and the, the organizations like this and the American Medical Association went to Congress and said, wait a minute. If you do this, we're not going to take care of Medicare patients. So mm -hmm. there's been this, every year for the last 10 years, there's been this sort of a waiver to push that issue off. And pay the doctors. So this bill, the Medicare Access and CHIP Reauthorization Act of 2015, MACRA, is designed to fix that problem. And they said, we're going to finally get away with that overhang of that 10%, but we're going to provide an incentive to physicians to be more efficient. And we're going to give them some, not only some incentives, but some penalties, okay? And what they said was, we're going to create two paths. So basically, let's see. So that's, that's kind of the lead-in. And we're not going to cover every slide in this presentation. But, um, but under MACRA, they said, okay, you, you have two choices. You can do MIPS or you can do APMs. Okay, MIP. what's a MIP for an APM? Okay, a MIP is Merit-Based Incentive Payment System. And basically, what that means is, uh, if, if you're in that category, you're going to get this normal formula of you know, RVUs times conversion rate. Now, but, excuse me, David, do systems decide which one or individual doctors? Um, both. You can both. It could be both. Okay, but primarily systems are going to do the right one because they're organized. You have to, to do, you, you, in order to, to do the right one, which is, which is an alternative payment model, we'll talk about what those are, you've really got to be sort of an organized group that's taking care of a bunch of patients. And what the second one says is, uh, if you're willing to do that, we're going to pay you more money, uh, give you an incentive for more money, but you've got to sort of take risk and do all the kind of population health management things that we want you to do. 
On the other hand, if you're not able to do that, you've got to do the other one, and the other one is plus or minus. The one on the right is just plus. The one on the left is plus or minus, okay? And what they're doing on the one on the left, merit-based incentive payment system, is they're, they're intending to create winners and losers, and they're going to take money from the losers and give it to the winners. And it's going to be the same types of things that organized groups are going to be doing on the right. What would okay. a loser be? A loser will be somebody who, let me just, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, so this sorry. is, I think, what I covered, which is they're fixing this SGR problem. That's not really working. Okay. Um, okay, let's keep going. So what is a, I'm going to jump through some of these because this is the legislative history, blah, blah, blah. Okay, 10 to 4. Okay, so here's the intended incentive system. So and you can see there's years, performance year, and then payment year. So the, the payment year lags too. So they're going to they're gonna pay you this interim rate. They're going to withhold a little bit mm -hmm. and then settle with you two years later. But you can see if you're under MIPS, you can be plus or minus 4%. And then that increases. Up into 2020, it's plus or minus 9%. So that means that, in our case, if we have $20 million in Medicare professional revenue, we can get paid an extra $1.8 million, mm -hmm. or we can lose $1.8 million. Mm -hmm. okay? That's our situation. If you're an individual physician, maybe you have you know, $100,000 of Medicare revenue, so plus or minus 9% of $9,000 is a risk. Uh, but for us, it's going to be about $1.8 by the time this thing is fully rolled in. And the thing is, you've got to sort of choose one of these methods by July 1st of 2017. Now, if you want to choose to be on the right one, this APM, you've got to be essentially in some type of an uh, accountable care organization or a Medicare, Medicare shared savings program, and we're not. So we're not going to be an APM. We're going to be in the MIPS category. We're going to be assigned to MIPS because that's too. So the real question is, what do we have to do to be a winner and not a loser? Okay. All right. So uh, let's see. Option one. Da, da, da. I want to. I want to get to the slide that talks about what you have to do. Okay. So they're talking about a score, advancing care, info CPA, resource use, and quality. So the big thing is there's going to be a quality metric on their patients. Medicare is going to track the outcomes on your patients. And, I, and I'm afraid I've forgotten what CPIA is. One of my friends may know what that is. But they're going, to, they're going to track the overall utilization of resources. But primarily the quality, the outcomes for those patients. Okay? Give me an example of what something they might track with the quality versus... Uh, re readmission. So there's a, I think a, a when, yeah. remember when Karen Bashaw yeah. made the presentation? That was a Medicare program on, I forget, HPAC, HCAPS is what it's called. And it had a variety of indicators mm -hmm. on whether somebody's readmitted or oh, pneumonia yeah. rate, things like, all those scores are going to be built into this. So that if, you know, similar, if, if you don't have good scores, you're going to wind up being a loser. Nice. And if you recall, our ranking nationally is like 10 to 15 being, you know, and the top is 100. So at this point, we are more than likely to be Losing. a loser unless we change the change the game here. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. Uh, so this is talking about APMs, and basically it's talking about um, being in a Medicare Shared Savings Program or an accountable care organization, which we're currently not. Um, now, we, we do have in our contracting strategy, we would love to be a Medicare Advantage uh, provider, okay, which we go capitation for Medicare patients. We're not there yet, but if we do that, then we would be, those patients would be exempted. What does it take to get there? Uh, you need to have essentially a functioning medical group that accepts risk, and that includes a primary care network that can take care of Medicare patients. So that's our AHP. That's HP. Okay. All of this, all of this is really depends on the success of HP. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, how to get out of MIPS? Okay, become an APM. We're not there yet. Uh, you are allowed sort of a low volume threshold if you have less than ten thousand dollars in. Medicare professional revenue, but that's not going to be us. Uh, or qualifying advanced alternative payment models, which is not currently us. Okay, this is more about APMs, qualifying models. Quality measures are going to be comparable to MIPS. Have to have, a, have, to have an EHR. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's important. Got to have that. Uh, and it has to be more than nominal risk. Okay, and I'm not sure what a certified medical home is, but that's because to get out of out of MIPS and into yeah, because because so, again, the advantage is on APMs. There's only incentive. There's no downside. Right. Okay. So you can do quite well. All right. Even on the MIPS. No. Under no. APM. APM. On APM, it's no. plus five. So it's nothing advanced. down. Nothing. No negative. And under MIPS. It's going to be plus or minus nine percent. <clears throat> yeah, and we're going to start under MIPS. Uh, let's see. So I'm going to skip through. Well, David, how long do you think it would be for us to get out of out of the loser into the <laughs> into the MIPS? <laughs> well, we have some work to do. I mean, I think it's it's a year or two of hard work. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not not going to be overnight. Okay, so these are some other Five examples. Five years. You mean? I think I think. Two years at a minimum. I, is, oh. Yeah, if, if, yeah. But I mean, if we get there, I mean, you got to realize we're up against some really well-organized medical groups that want to be in the top tier. You know, they're very, they're very focused. They have been doing this for a decade. They're organized. So we're we're starting from behind. And and so you can only have so many, so many are, so many uh, APA, APMs. There can only no, be so many no, APMs. no. You can anybody can. Everybody can yeah. be an APM. Yeah, yeah. The government actually is is trying to incent organizations to 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 get organized and take risk. So and that that's actually forcing consolidation of physician delivery across the state. And these are examples of different kinds of um, APMs. We're talking about threshold, five percent. Okay, and I, I think I've essentially covered what I wanted to cover in this presentation. So, and this is where the members of this organization think they are. So, about ten percent of the or, this organization. Remember, these are the these are the organized medical groups in the in the state. Think they're going to be in MIPS. About forty percent already know they're going to be in APMs, and forty percent don't know. And some others. So. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Right. This is fair, fairly recent data. Okay. And this is just okay. Not just recent. These are the. They don't know what with. Yeah. These these were the presenters. These were the presenters. Sansom is in uh, Santa Barbara Central Coast. 
Apple Care is in like uh, Southeast LA and North, Northern Orange County. I'm not sure where Mercy Health is. But. So I guess that's a combination of your other combination. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's your educational session for tonight. Now you know what a work RVU is. Very good. Okay. Thank you. Okay. 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 But the thing that's important, I think, is important is this stuff, at least in my remedial mind here, is starting to, to fit the pieces. So mm -hmm. I'm beginning to see that uh, how all of these pieces are kind of mm -hmm. advancing in different things. So, it, yeah, it's very fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm finally being able to see what AHP is. I just was not getting it. Oh. Okay. Like, Good. what Good. is there, you know, what and, role And the importance of that becomes why, because you've got to do this, and then population health depends on having the AHP. And, yes. and so, yes. yeah, I'm beginning to get it just in time for me to get off the board. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Okay, so uh, Dave, if we can switch back to the uh, planning calendar, um, we can kind of walk through that. Like, boy, I'm really sorry about the size of this, but um, I can I can tell you about this. So obviously in December there's no meeting. You can see that. In January, Ishwar already mentioned that we have this um, rehab relocation. Okay, so that's a project that needs to get started next uh, first quarter of the new year. So January through March, probably March, we need to be doing demo or getting the walls, which means that we're spending time now getting everything ready. So um, uh, Luis and I met the other day. We went through the cost estimate. Okay? We've talked about the contract, and there's some things that Mike is working on on the structure of the contract. Um, and then we're, Ishwari and her team are pulling together the business case so that when we come to you in... January, we would say, well, this is what we want to do and why. Here's what the cost is going to be. Um, we're going to talk about the legal structure of how the build is going to go. And we're going to talk about the before and after on operation so that you're then in a position to make a decision on um, essentially about a $33 million project. Okay, that's going to stretch over a period of maybe a couple of years, three years. Yeah, well, quite a while. So we'll give you all the timelines and all that. Now, um, we may not have all of those agreements to be done. So there'll be, uh, for example, there'll be a, a construction management agreement, which is the contract, the guy who's going to supervise the project, the work group. And then there's going to be a, um, a bid process, I believe, on the individual contracts. And we're not, I, don't, I don't know if that's all worked out, so I may be, may be misspeaking if you want to add anything, Luis. Uh, but there's, so there's just there's just several components to the project, and so we're looking at, as Dave mentioned, we're looking at at making sure that we identify the contractor. We have the design, and the design has been ongoing, so we have already an agreement for the design. We're looking at establishing an agreement for the construction management of while we're in construction, how we're overseeing the project, and then lastly, and the largest one of all, which actually will be the contractor itself, who will be performing the work. So those are all phased in and we'll go through that process as far as getting approvals for those. And so I'll take this opportunity to take you back to Saturday in the portion of our discussion where we talked about related parties. So would either of you have questions at this point? I thought not. 
So this, no, this is. <laughs> this is actually so. So this is actually one of the, the points that we had covered the other day in terms of having these separate pieces. You know, because again, it's sort of the appearance of you know what creates a conflict, and if you have this one party which is responsible for one piece of it, should you use different parties for other pieces of projects like this? And it, again, there are rules which are related to the ethics statutes, which basically sort of guide us in this. So, uh, I didn't improve your score, by the way, just because you said that. So, oh, well, I just... Uh, <laughs> you got a bad mark never, ne never stop trying. Never stop trying. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the, you know, the... Thanks for scrambling yeah. to improve. <laughs> I was just trying to tie it all together yeah. so you all would understand the value of that training. Okay. Um, so, so that's the big thing we're working on. Um, before I mentioned GI service line, we've penciled this in. Um, we're, we're not sure we're going to be ready at that point, but we think it's an interesting project that we're working on because it, it's kind of a, a, a learn how to put together a service line. We'll bring that when it's ready. Uh, we also have John George out here. Again, this is one we're, we're not sure of yet. It's going to depend on these other discussions that are going on. Uh, and then we have, uh, we're planning to start the budget review process around March. Uh, before that, I hope to be in front of you with a uh, preliminary long-term financial plan, which I'm working on, as well as a capital plan. And the, the capital committee continues to meet, and we've got the various people who are responsible for facilities and equipment and IT uh, working on those long-term plans, so th those will be in there as well. Uh, we do have some um, retrospective reviews that are underway, getting ready. Uh, AMF Media and Rehab Care in January, and then uh, Apid Lab, Breed and Associates, that was a revenue cycle, uh, GE Biomed, Xerox, and some others on, on the way out. Okay? So that's cur currently what we have planned right now. Excellent. Great. Hey, Dave. Um, so, we, you know, there, there are no meetings in December, and, and I'm not. I'll preface this by saying I'm not angling to have meetings in December, but we seem to have a pretty robust approval, you know, list of things to approve each time we meet. Um, you know, can you, you know, is it, is it okay to take a month off for, for that stuff? I'm not anticipating a need to meet. Okay. All right. I mean, worst comes to worst, we can do an executive session if, yeah, I mean, we, we do Gotta try to actually plan the work around the meeting schedule. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. So let's... Uh, Jim, I would like to make an announcement that um, both Anthony Thompson and uh, Gary Chartland has agreed to sit on the Finance Committee. So they weren't, oh, great. They weren't able to come today, but... Um, they, I expect that they will be here in January. That'll be fabulous. That will be fabulous. Um, okay. Well, I think we're at the um, near the end of things. Um, uh, Susanna, is there any request for public comment? None received. No. No. Okay. Um, any other trustee comments? None for me. None for me. Well, okay, then um, great meeting and meetings adjourned. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Jim. You.